0: Good morning, it is Wednesday, May 13th, and this is Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus outbreak in mid-Missouri. I'm Tim Pilcher, and I'm joined once again in the studio by our new producer, Mallory Daly. Good morning, Mal.
1: Good morning, Tim.
0: And today on Community Pulse, we'll be discussing a local mutual aid project in Columbia that has arisen to address some of the emergent needs of our community caused by the coronavirus and the economic shutdown that has come along with it. The project is called Como Mutual Aid, and joining us by phone this morning is one of the organizers of this group, Renee Maxwell. Also with us is Dr. Elizabeth Ollman, local family physician and host of Your Health at, excuse me, Your Health Matters, which airs tonight at 6 p.m. on KOPN. Good morning, Elizabeth and Renee. Thanks for join- joining us today. Good
2: morning. Good morning, Tim.
0: Well, Elizabeth, why don't you start us off with the numbers, and yeah. then we'll get into uh, talking about Renee's project.
2: Yeah, so worldwide, 4.34 million cases documented, uh, with 293,000 uh, deaths and 1.6 uh, million recovering. In the United States, um, the total is one million four hundred eight four hundred nine thousand when you round it up uh, cases with eighty three thousand deaths and two hundred and ninety seven thousand uh, people recovering in Missouri we have ten thousand two hundred and sixty six cases with five hundred and thirty two deaths and the um, one of the things that's exciting to me is if you look at the average daily new cases over the previous seven days and chart that over time. We have seven days of decreasing numbers in Missouri. Um, And the folks who talked about let's have an evidence-based approach to reopening would say that we'd want 14 days in a row um, before we opened the state. We eased our regulations and maybe opened the state, depending on what you mean by that, a week ago. We would expect to see the results of that in another week or so. So I'm watching those numbers very carefully, but right now it does not look like terrible things are happening in Missouri. And um, and Boone County has a stable uh, uh, of 100 uh, cases and the surrounding counties have pretty much stabilized out and haven't had many new cases in the last couple of days either. So... that's the numbers. I did want to say one thing, and that is that as of Friday, Boone Hospital Center is offering antibody testing, and I'm hearing that Quest Labs is as well, and so tomorrow I would like to talk about antibody testing and what it means. I, I'm interested in that topic, but it has felt like a academic discussion until we actually had it assess- accessible to people in Boone County. So. hmm That's what we want to talk about tomorrow. But Renee, thank you so much for coming on and talking about us. I am fascinated by what you're doing, and I'm wondering if you could briefly explain what COMO Mutual Aid is.
3: Sure. Thanks, Elizabeth. Uh, Yeah, I'm happy to talk about our project. Uh, We started in late March by uh, creating some Google forms and sharing those on our Facebook page. And the way it works is, uh, we have a volunteer sign-up form and uh, another form for folks to request support. The primary service that we offer is a grocery delivery and donation. And so uh, any folks who need help with groceries can fill out the request form, and then one of our volunteer coordinators will contact them and get some information from them and match them up with one of our awesome volunteers who go, they're the ones who actually pick up the groceries and make the donation for them. Uh, We have a fundraiser and that's what we use to reimburse folks for the grocery purchases and folks can also request additional assistance with things like prescriptions or transportation to doctor's appointments and some folks just need uh, emergency cash assistance so we do what we can to help those folks. Uh, but primarily we're focused on grocery deliveries. Okay, and
2: so if people were interested in, if people needed um, assistance or had resources, how would they um, let, how, would they, how could they get in contact with you?
3: So there's two ways folks can reach us. Uh, we have a phone number, and I'll pull that up in a second here. Um, and then, of course, our request support forms, um, And those are all available on our Facebook page. So that's the best way really to get more info is to go directly to our Facebook page, which is COMO Mutual Aid. And there's a pinned post at the very top and it has links to all of these forms as well as our fundraiser. And I can give you that phone number. Uh, and this is helpful for folks who may not have good internet access, uh, you can leave a message at 573-542-0502.
0: Great, and we will uh, share those links and the phone number uh, when we post this episode on online later in the day.
3: Great, thanks, Tim.
0: Yeah, well, I wanted to take a moment to dive a little bit deeper into the the subject of, of mutual aid. This is a term that I think isn't quite yet in common parlance, but... Um, I'd love to know, uh, from your perspective as an organizer of this group, why you've chosen to organize uh, along the lines of mutual aid versus uh, perhaps any other model, and what that means for you and how the group is organized.
3: Sure. Yeah. Um, So mutual aid is, the idea behind mutual aid is that it's, um, instead of a, a typical model that most people are used to, which is the charity model. Which is more of a top-down model. Mutual aid is uh, horizontal, and it is supposed to uh, eliminate power dynamics. So there, there's no sense of um, uh, givers and receivers uh, and, uh, of having any kind of hierarchy, and it's very like uh, it's organized horizontally. So. Really, we encourage people to um, participate in giving and receiving in any ways they can. Um, but it also is, you know, focused on folks who have resources and privilege to share those and use that privilege and those resources to bring up people in the community who are more vulnerable and marginalized, who always bear the brunt of any crisis in our society. And that's really what this, I think, this project aims to do. I don't know that it's um, strictly successful in terms of mutual aid. It's just that we um, don't have a lot of opportunities for folks on the receiving end to kind of give back, although folks have certainly um, expressed interest in that. And I think um, they go about doing that by sharing these resources with their neighbors because that's one thing we definitely have seen occur. Um, Once somebody finds out about this project, Uh, We see more folks in their neighborhood hitting us up for assistance as well, which is great. That's what we want. We want work to get out to folks who who need this. Um, But really the bottom line is what we want to eliminate are power dynamics. And um, the other thing that uh, typical charities tend to do in their model of organizing is uh, just by the nature of how nonprofits work, and all the requirements they have there tends to be a lot of bureaucratic barriers to folks who need assistance um, and that's how people end up falling through the cracks and and that's kind of where we come in
0: mm-hmm. so there's this uh i guess we could call it an, an attempt at an embodiment of a different kind of social relation but more along cooperative lines right as, exactly. a, as opposed to this transactional uh, top-down one entity giving a donation to another Um, Right, and we often see this in times of crisis, um, often in disaster relief scenarios after large floods or hurricanes or tornadoes, we see neighbors, community members stepping up to help neighbors uh, without the umbrella of a charity or maybe before, say, an organization like FEMA has the time to arrive, it's typically neighbors who are stepping up to help their fellow neighbors.
3: That's exactly right, Tim. And, in fact, there are other folks doing that in Columbia who, you know, don't don't necessarily have a Facebook page or online forums, but we've seen that. Um, some folks affiliated with uh, the Almeida, Creighton, Everybody Eats program, they're out uh, providing meals in their neighborhood, you know, right, in the, right on their own block and making sure that kids are home, who are home from school are still getting fed. There's lots of restaurants who are providing free meals for kids, or maybe service workers who are out of work, so uh, that's what we want to see, you know, it's just people helping people and neighbors helping neighbors.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. I'm seeing a lot of these uh, mutual aid efforts pop up. Uh, very few of them actually use the, la- the label of mutual aid, but um, we can see community members stepping up to help one another during this time of crisis, and it's really heartening to see, and I think it's it's out of necessity.
3: It really is. It's definitely a necessity. Um, unfortunately, we don't have good safety nets in this country uh, for folks. We we already had a lot of problems with housing and food insecurity in our community before this crisis hit, and this has certainly exacerbated all of those problems for a lot of people, and I, I think we're we're only going to see an increase in that sort of issue and it's really you know time for everybody and and this is you know i see a crisis like this as an opportunity this is where we this is our chance to build you know the kind of world we want to have and this is our chance to really come together for our neighbors and make sure that nobody does fall through the cracks because that's one thing i think a public health crisis really highlights is that none of us are really safe if Vulnerable people aren't safe. The workers, the low-income workers who do this kind of service work that we depend on and the people that we expect to continue working when everything else is shut down are, are you know, the same people that are being exposed to this virus and are therefore exposing us when, when we visit their businesses or require their services. And so a public health crisis is really, you know, a very communal crisis and really eliminates in some ways, it breaks down um, hierarchies, and in other ways, it it uh, makes them worse. But public health is, you know, definitely sort of a great equalizer, and sooner or later, you know, it, it tends to catch up with everybody. But it definitely does affect marginalized communities first, and that's why if we can if we can help those communities first, then we can prevent further spread and further. Uh, endangerment for everybody so we're really all in this together
2: yeah I was wondering if you could speak to have you been surprised by anything while you've been doing been involved in this uh, work Um, yeah
3: I think maybe only the only not too many surprises Um, I've been doing a lot of other types of mutual aid work um, with Operation Safe Winter and the John Brown Gun Club Mm -hmm. so I've been pretty in tune with, you know, a lot of the food and housing insecurity in Colombia, but I think one thing that I I didn't realize is just how many people live in motels, uh, you know, extended stay motels. Okay. And those are the people that um, aren't protected by eviction freezes that are happening right now.
2: Gotcha, yeah.
3: And so their housing insecurity is very real. Um, But also, unfortunately, we've seen, uh, despite eviction freezes and despite uh, supposed freezes on utility shutoffs, we're still seeing people who are having their utilities shut off, who are being threatened with eviction. I mean, the courts may not uh, hear those cases right away. But an eviction freeze doesn't really help folks if people still are expected to pay that rent eventually while they have no income. Uh, it's just sort of kicking the can down the road. Uh, what we really need to see is, is, is more rental assistance, if not a rent freeze, um, and uh, maybe even a mortgage freeze, too. There's so many, so many things we could be doing to um, help people get through this crisis. And make it so that people can't afford to stay home and stay safe, um, those things just really aren't happening.
0: Right. And, and mutual aid is often, as you said, um, it's, it's sort of just like a Band-Aid. Um, you know, it happens during crisis and we're here to fill the gaps that, uh, in service that people aren't receiving from, say, their local or state governments. Exactly,
3: yeah. Um, it's it's really difficult. It, it does force us to make difficult decisions when folks uh, need more cash than we can provide. We do have a $50 cap on cash assistance just due to the, our limited resources, and because we do want to be able to continue buying groceries for people, uh, we, food is our number one priority as far as what we can provide for folks, so we want to be able to prioritize that. Um, but we still want to help folks where we can, and we will give them some, you know, quick cash influx. But it's not enough to, you know, pay their rent. So it's tough. It's, it's you know, you. I wish we could do more.
2: So if pe- if people wanted to make um, donations, it sounds like um, one of the main things you need is, um, is cash.
3: Yes. Yeah, and we we have a GoFundMe that is linked on our page as well.
2: Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mel.
1: I was wondering, um, just as, you know, Missouri is opening up and we're getting all of these messages of, you know, just the economy is starting to rebound and or at least promises that it will. um, Is there still as much of a need as before? Do you are you noticing that people are getting back to work and maybe getting more stable income again? Or is this going to be something that's drawn out for a very very long time this crisis moment.
3: Um, as far as our requests I don't think uh, the pace of that has changed too much. Uh, I think we do see like a small dip early in the month when some folks get their assistance money but we haven't seen you know a big change based on the reopening yet. Uh, Frankly, I I do expect this to go on quite a bit longer. I think a lot of people are in denial. Uh, COVID is, or the coronavirus is not going away. It's going to be with us for a very long time. And I think there, we're gonna, we're all gonna have to make a lot of adjustments, and how we manage that. Uh, I, I'm not very optimistic about the future of our economy. I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but. I definitely anticipate increased need, even if uh, things might try to go back to normal for a little while. Uh, but I don't think that's going to be sustainable. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank yeah, you sadly, so much. I, yeah, you know, I
2: share yeah. your I share your assessment. I think that there's a lot of people who are hoping, and I hope I'm wrong, or hoping yeah. that you know we're just about done with it and it wasn't that hard, but. We're seeing um, already um, colleges and schools talk about um, the fall still being a virtual educational experience for some people, and I think that that's um, smart people looking at the at the data and making predictions.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, yeah, so yeah. we need to listen to smart people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh. All right. Well, uh, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with, Renee, before you go?
3: No, thank you, Tim. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. Um, We'd love to get more volunteers signed up. Um, We can always use more help uh, from folks who want to make grocery deliveries. The more volunteers we have, the less we have to call on the people that we've been tapping. Um, And we welcome all the requests for support. We're here to help folks.
0: Wonderful, and we'll post uh, all those links and the information uh, online later in, th- later in the day. Thank you so much, Renee, for joining us. Thank you, Tim. And thank you, Dr. Alleman. Uh, do you, thank what's you. What's in store for us on uh, Your Health Matters this uh, evening?
3: It's a
2: very lovely conversation I had with Tracy wilson Cleekamp about um, race and inequity. Um, I, I thought we were going to focus more on the pandemic, but it, we really just... Um, had a lovely conversation about uh, race and uh, moving out of racism. Um, So that's uh, tonight at 6. And then um, tomorrow we'll be talking about antibody testing, which is finally available in Boone County.
0: Great. Well, we'll talk to you then. Thanks so much. Okay. Look forward to it. Mm -hmm. Bye. And that is it for today's edition of Community Pulse. Once again, we were speaking with Renee Maxwell, one of the organizers of Como Mutual Aid. And of course, Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician and host of Your Health Matters. Thanks for listening to Community Pulse. You can catch us for now every weekday morning at 9 a.m. Starting next week, we're going to pull back to Monday through Thursday. And uh, Mal, did you have a... a some news about farm and fiddle you wanted to tell us
1: yeah i would like to share with you all that tonight on farm and fiddle um Margo and josh and melinda hemelgarn continue the conversation on summer reading with special recommendations from howard marshall and Rhett hartman so uh tune in tonight farm and fiddle at seven
0: Great. We got a great lineup tonight. Your Health Matters at 6, Farm and Fiddle at 7, followed by Good Sounds of Jazz at 8. These are programs you can catch here only on your community radio station, KOPN. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.